Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecapsonlife.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the show. Yesterday, August 1st, was Spider-Man Day, so to celebrate, we're going to review Marvel Comics' Spider-Man Life Story, published in 2019 and created by Chip Zdarsky and Mark Bagley. As you may know, I select the comics we're about to review by taking the recommendation from our guest host, so please welcome to the show fellow comic watcher Aaron Kleiman. Aaron is a film student who's aiming to work in animation and has also worked in a comic shop for the past five years. He first got into comics at a young age when he was gifted single issues and trades by his dad. One of the first issues he remembers reading was Justice League Europe number 57. Crisis on Infinite Earths was one of the first storyline comics he read, and George Perez's R is arguably where he could trace his want to create back to. Over the years, he has done voice acting, stage acting, film acting, animation, and film writing, and a slew of other behind-the-scenes work. Creating is in his blood, and it's arguably thanks to comics. Aaron, welcome to The Caption Life. How are you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing all right. I mean, as as you know, I just got back from a con, so I'm feeling that. But I'm I'm doing yeah. good. I, it's <laughs> comics all day since like nine thirty this morning, and we're still going. <laughs> yeah, and you went to so, a terrific con, right? Yeah, went to terrific con. It was a and how was terrific that? time? <laughs> uh, no, it was it was good. I mean, I only went today. Uh, a friend of ours went. Uh, I went Sunday, which is today. And a friend mm-hmm. of ours went Saturday and Sunday. He said the crowd was so much smaller today, and I'm so glad it made the lines <laughs> so much easier. Yeah, are, are you some? Is it more like the lines, or do you just not want to be like around people, like that many people? No, or is I'm it both? fine with the people. It's just yeah. the lines were long enough as is. I spent. I mean, I had stuff I had to get signed for me and stuff for a friend, and we got in at ten. I wasn't done getting autographs until like two. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because there was people going on breaks, having to find where people were in the center. It was yeah. some of the lines were long. I mean, the first signature we waited for, the person got there 40 minutes late, but we knew the line was going to be longer if we left. So we just mm-hmm. stood there for the 40 minutes. Who, uh, so. Whose signature did you get while you, you guys were waiting there? Oh, uh, we got Claremont's. That was Claremont's. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, awesome. it was a good time, though. It was a good time overall. Well, good. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I, yeah, I'm going to Gen Con uh, this week, and this is going to be my first time going there, and I don't know what to expect. So it's, I, I know it's going to be a little bit different because with comic creators, like we're always, you know, see lines of people getting autographs and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not sure in the gaming scene if creators get that same sort of people wanting mm. to, you know, get signatures and all that. I know there's always going to be like actors. Yeah, there's yeah, I think there's going to be some voice actor, but like like Gen Con is like from what I understand is very different than any other convention that you'll go to and that they have so much stuff going on in so many different places that it's it's I tried to figure out like how to understand <laughs> it and it just seems like everyone just said just go and experience it for yourself. Don't try to like, you know, do a whole lot, just walk around and see what you think of it and just kind of like soak it in so that way you know what to do yeah. for next year. So it's like the first year is just more of a trial 
you know, getting to know Gen Con. And then the second year is supposed to be like, now you can start planning since you know how it's going to work. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm kind of curious to see like how different that is versus a Comic Con that I've been to in multiple in years past and all that. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm glad you got to go to Terrific Con. And, and reading your bio, you're, <laughs> you know, you've done a lot of work and I didn't even realize that. Like, what, yeah, what's some of your favorite things that you've done in terms of, acting or voice acting or script writing so in terms of acting uh, i was in so i was in a one-act play on my college campus and that was fun it was uh like a comedy like a darker comedy i play like a a dead guy who gets trapped as a ghost in some random girl's apartment and it was (laughs) it was a fun time i got to uh try different things you know doing different types of acting because it's stage acting i up until then i'd only really done film and voice so stage is completely different so it was a fun time in that regard i got to do like different stunt falls for it it was it was a good time oh good so i got to i got to do that i've been doing voice acting since like middle school and everyone so many people around my age which is like 24 are like oh i'm gonna like be a voice actor we all said that in middle school not all of us stuck with it some of us did Right. <laughs> so, but I'm still doing it on and off, thankfully. Oh, so, good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining the show. So, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Life Story, which is the comic that you suggested. Um, yep. I know you're a huge Spider-Man fan. In fact, you had started a Spider-Man podcast, and we were talking about this. You had three episodes out. You had to take a break for a little bit, and then you're starting to record some new episodes now. So, yep. obviously, you're a huge fan of Spider-Man. So, I want to ask you, what's your Spider-Man origin story? What got you into that character? <laughs> Ooh, Spider-Man origin story. I have, I have a weird one because I had seen the Raimi movies when I was younger, of course. Uh-huh. But I really liked, for some reason, the. Do you remember the like thirteen episode MTV show they did where Neil Patrick Harris played Spider-Man? <laughs> no, I don't think it I've heard of this. A, it was a thirteen episode CGI one that like loosely connected to the movies, but not really. It was uh-huh. based on the Ultimate Comics, and Neil Patrick Harris voiced. Uh, Spider-Man, and I think Neil played Spider-Man in one of the games as well before Yuri Lowenthal uh, fully took over, uh-huh. but I had watched that because I was also super into, like, other CGI animated cartoons at the time, like, uh, like years before that, they did Beast Wars, it was the same company, Mainframe, right. they did, like, the Hot Wheels movies around the same time, which I was super into, so, like, it just caught my eye, yeah. and that's, like, how I first got into Spider-Man in terms of, like, watching stuff, in terms of reading... Uh, have you ever heard of, I think it was like Mighty Marvels or something? It was, oh, I've heard of it, it but I don't it know much about it. It was a kitty book. It was a kitty book yeah. they did, and in it, they're all kids and everything. It was like Tiny Titans, but for Marvel characters. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in it, Peter's just like a normal paperboy. So Spider-Man's doing like a paperboy route yeah. instead of doing photography. And Venom <laughs> is just like this weird kid with like a giant tooth that loves to eat everything. <laughs> so that got me super into Spider-Man, and ever since then, I've... I just love Spider-Man. That doesn't sound too far off from what they have out not right now. It's like Spider-Man <laughs> or Spidey and Friends or something like that, right? With Miles, yeah, Gwen. Yeah, I haven't watched that, but I've heard it's good for like yeah, little no, kids I, and stuff. Yeah, and my, my son has watched a few episodes. He really loves it. Um, he thinks it's a lot of fun and everything. But it's kind of that same sort of concept is, you yeah. know, it's, it's adjusted to more you know, younger kids to enjoy and reflect more like them and all that. And so I can yeah. see why they changed it to newspaper, uh, to Peter Parker <laughs> being a newspaper boy, because, you know, as a kid, like that's more attainable and accessible and yeah. understandable versus, you know, being a photographer. Right. So that yeah. actually makes a lot of sense. So 
Yeah, that, they yeah I gotta say, that's a really unique base. origin story. I was not expecting that at I, all. <laughs> I have unique origin stories with everything. Like in my bio, I said like Christ on Infinite Earths was the first real storyline I read. It's because my dad, when I was like, I don't know, eight, handed me a pile of trades and single issues and went just, here you go. And right. one of them was Crisis. And like the death of Barry Allen stuck with me for forever. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's like, I hadn't read any DC comics when I was younger. That was the first DC comic I like really read that had to do with continuity. Yeah. I was just confused, but having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that's how all of us are now with all the stuff that's out there. Oh, Oh, for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Especially me and X-Men. Like, I love X-Men, but don't ask me to tell you what's going on right now because I have no idea. Dude, I love reading Hellfire it, Gala but after I read crazy. it, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's, well, especially with all the stuff that's about to happen and going to happen and everything, it's just, uh, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, sure, you know, like, that's, what, like, I I love oh, yeah. that. I couldn't tell you, like, what's going on necessarily, but when I read it, it's like, it's it's very enjoyable, but there's just so much stuff going on so yeah so it sounds like that hasn't changed a whole lot <laughs> no we all we all read it and hope we understand it eventually right <laughs> right yes exactly or somebody will explain it to us eventually <laughs> or somebody becomes apologist at some point and someone's like maybe the clone saga wasn't that bad <laughs> like you know yeah so well cool no i love that origin story i think that's probably one of the more <laughs> unique ones i've had on the show um yeah. so let's let's dive into spider-man life story and for anyone who's listening again you know we're going to be talking about what happens in the book so if yep. you have this on your to read pile definitely you know pause this episode and don't listen to this if you don't want it spoiled if you don't mind spoilers then you know you've been warned and you're you know what to expect um so aaron why did you suggest this book when i asked you if you wanted to do a spider-man story for the show why spider-man life story out of all the ones that you could have chose i i feel like life story one is a great zadarsky book zadarsky did great work on it but he, mm -hmm. he had also written another spider-man which he had done spectacular spider-man beforehand right but in terms of like if someone asks like what are the major story beats for spider-man in an odd way life story covers them a lot life story is nothing like the canon of 616 but right. it hits like so many of the major beats that if i had to be like well, if you read this book, you'll get, like, an idea of stuff that happens to Spider-Man. Would I recommend you start with it? Probably not, but it's a good contained story <laughs> where it's like, this person dies, that person dies, this happens to this person, this weird thing happens. Like, right. it hits all the beats just in very different ways. Right. But all the beats are there. Yeah. No, I, and I agree. I've never I've heard great things about, but never read it until you suggested this. And yeah. I think you're absolutely right. One of the things I absolutely love about this story is that it's a limited series self-contained where as anyone who is a fan of Spider-Man, whether they've read the comics or not, will appreciate it. If you've read the comics yeah. and know a lot about the Spider-Man lore, there's a lot from you to take in that you could be like, oh, this is from this story and this is from this story. If you're not familiar with any of that stuff, you can still enjoy this and not, you know, have to understand where those things are coming from to understand what's going on in this story. And I think this is where yeah. they did a great job of that because it's really hard to be able to tell a unique story like this. And it's definitely unique in a lot of different ways. But Zdarsky, who's, you know, well known for doing like ridiculous ideas that just seems to work, did it mm -hmm. in this story and was able to pull in 
a lot of the different stories about Spider-Man through the years and kind of made this its own kind of story that worked really well. Um, yeah. that I think if you've never, if you only know Spider-Man from the movies or TV shows and just have it like a general idea of Spider-Man, you can read this book and follow along and not feel like you're lost because it's mentioning something that, you know, yeah. happened in like all these other things. He did a great job of kind of making that its own thing. I think that's something that after I read this, I was, I remember saying to myself, I want more Marvel characters to have this kind of story where people can just jump in and read, not have to know anything outside of it. But for those who are dedicated fans, they can tell you these are like Easter eggs or this is where it's coming from. Like, I would love to see a, a Daredevil version of life story. I, I think this is this is a great idea. So um, I appreciate you suggesting this because I absolutely love the story. I thought it was just fantastic. So um so let's let's do a recap of what this story is about generally. Um, yeah. So the summary of it is like this is a six issue uh, series, and then apparently there's a there's an annual that came with it. I didn't even did, know they did that annual until you told me. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't even know either. Anthony Bergamini from uh, Comic Watch told us about this, and and I didn't yeah. get a chance to read it before this episode. But apparently, that one focuses on uh, J. Jonah Jameson. So I definitely want to read that. Some context for some events. Oh, does it like, really? It yeah we'll we'll get to it when we talk about it later but like there's yeah. a there's a scene in one of the books in one of the later issues I think it's like five or six uh, it's five where they talk about Jonah's funeral and like you're looking oh. at an event that happened and I was like what event happened because the registration act is being talked about and stuff but right. then the book Jonah's book tells you the year he dies and then you're like oh that's what happened. Yeah. So, okay. That makes and sense. I'll explain it more when we get like to there in the story. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to read that now after after we record this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So so this series is six issues plus an annual, um, and basically just like what the um, you know the name suggests, it's Spider Man's life story told throughout the years. And so basically each issue focuses on a decade, and it is placed against the, back, the backdrop of that decade, right? So it opens up in yeah. uh, the first issues in the 1960s, which is when, you know, Spider-Man was first created by Marvel, and he's like a 15-year-old kid. Um, and as you go through each issue, it's a different decade. So first issue you know, um, is in the backdrop of the Vietnam War. The second issue um, had more to do... It still was doing Vietnam War, if I remember correctly. And yeah, I think third issue was Vietnam a Cold War. War. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, say that again. They they extended the Vietnam War in the book because the superheroes get involved. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So so the first two issues are Vietnam. Uh, I believe the third issue is against the backdrop of the Cold War. Part and of it. Yeah. The, yeah. And then the fourth issue is when we start getting into wars from the comic series. So it's like Secret Wars, and then um, the next one is the Civil War. Um, so it's kind of placed under these like bigger backdrops of like actual events yeah. that happen in the world as well as what happened in Marvel. Um, universe but it's basically you see peter parker and spider-man age in each of these issues which we haven't really see that happen a whole lot in marvel comics which i think is a really interesting idea right yeah peter yeah. peter aging that's crazy i mean well, like ages everyone, up until like maybe 30 right well, <laughs> like that's as old as he gets about it everyone talks about it when the movies come out because yeah. every time a new movie comes out he's in like high school Every yeah. time. Yeah. But he was only in high school for – he was out of high school by the time Ditko left. And Ditko, I don't even think, was up to issue 100. Like, right. You know, you, he, the amount of time 
Peter spent in high school is so minimal compared to everything else. <laughs> but we got three mo- – like, I enjoy the MCU movies of him, but we didn't need three movies of him in high school. So right. much of his high school life just doesn't exist in the comics. Actually, a lot of it's through flashbacks or through other characters. Right, yeah. Like – that, like we get more info about his high school years through other characters a lot of the time, like the Jessica Jones thing, right? How Jessica yeah. Jones had a crush on him in high school, which was of course a retcon to insert her in there, but that's like more info from a book that wasn't even about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. So th- I mean, so this this series is already unique in that we actually see the character age and we don't see that a whole lot with other characters necessarily either in the Marvel universe. But like just, he said, Peter Parker is always the young one. So it's actually nice to see a whole, you know, life story of a character in a span. And, and, And again, you don't have to read a lot of it. This was just six issues plus that annual. And so it was, and it was really well done in that regard. Um, but as you go through it, you know, he goes through, very interesting, complex problems as well, too. So the first issue, you know, he goes through, you know, should he join the Vietnam War effort, you know, because of it's his responsibility. responsibilities? Yeah, stuff like that. Um, but then every issue kind of gets a little bit more complex in terms of what he's juggling and battling with um, all the way through the final issue. And so it's really cool to see how not only does he mature, but his problems get, you know, more mature and more complex because it's not a simple answer. Because in the first issue... You know, we will talk about this a little bit um, later, but in the first issue, he kind of gets that solution from Captain America, basically. Yeah. Like he tells he talks to Captain America and, and asks him about him going to the Vietnam War. And it was kind of interesting to see how the issue one ends with Captain America. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he, he goes over to Vietnam thinking that, you know, there's horrible things happening. And then now he's like trying to save both sides of, you know, Viet- Vietnamese and uh, American soldiers as well. But. Captain America pretty much kind of gave him a solution of like, you know, you need to do what's right and for you and all that, but you're doing great stuff here. So if you were to stay here and help, like, you know, that's just as important as what we're doing over Vietnam. Yeah. Um, but then with every issue, it's just, it's not that simple of a solution. And I think that's the really, responsibilities change. Exactly. Yeah. Responsibility change, the context change, the uh, ramification change. And so it was really cool to see like how every issue just progresses in terms of it's not a clear and simple solution most of the time yeah. by the time they get to issue five. Issue six is a little bit different because it's kind of like wrapping things up. And I think at that yeah. point, it's like he already knows his responsibilities and, and doesn't need to like second guess or anything anything like he knows what he needs to do at that state um, at that stage of life for him because he's already lived mm-hmm. long enough to know and so it was less complex about the issues facing but it was more of like a resolution to the character and the things yeah. that he's been dealing with his whole life and so it's, like it's a, a, a fan- wrap up of his feelings essentially like a wrap is, up of his responsibility yes so, yeah and it was really the cool book is about yeah the, the, the book kind of amounts to his responsibility as a person his responsibility as a hero his responsibility as a husband, his responsibility as a nephew, his responsibility as a father. Like, it all, every issue kind of touches on different responsibilities he has in his life, and right. it all kind of comes together in that final issue. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it was really cool how they did that and how they talked about that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's Spider Man Life Story in a nutshell. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Aaron, that maybe I didn't? touch on that might help um, with some context with it for the summary uh i mean i can give a quick summary of the annual i don't know if we're going to discuss it much but it's like you sure. said it's about jay jonah and it's about jay jonah coming to terms with uh his place and his responsibility for what he does in terms mm-hmm. of how things go down in this story so right which i thought was right. interesting 
Yeah. And that one is, um, I think all the six of these issues are definitely available through Marvel Unlimited plus the annual as well. Um, yep. If you don't have Marvel Unlimited, check out Hoopla. I mean, Hoopla has a lot of comics that your library might be able to offer to you digitally as well, too. So yep. sometimes, you know, I just check that one out first just to see if they have it and, and download that. So, um, so yeah, m- definitely on Marvel Unlimited. But if you don't have that, check out Hoopla and they might have it. Um, but yeah, it, this is a really good story. And Honestly, I see this trade in comic shops all the time as well, too. So there's a good chance that your comic shop might have this in either on the shelves or they might have it in the back room or, or something along those lines. So I got yeah. the floppiest when it was coming out. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I always go back I, and forth because, like, there's some series, like, I want to have the floppies, but sometimes I'm like, I kind of just want it in one book so that way I'll not have to. Oh, yeah. I'm, I don't know if you're like this, Aaron, but I am terrible about when I read an issue – I can't remember what happened in the previous issue. Like, I just never remember. So, so for me, it's nice to just have it back yeah. to back like that. But like, I want to know what happens no, when I it comes out, too. Yeah. I, it's I a, mean, it also depends on what book you're reading. Like, I've been reading, like, She-Hulk's been my main book I've been looking forward to every month. And, like, they're always, like, anytime a character is introduced in the book, it's like, this is what they've been up to. Like, yeah. even if you saw yeah. them last issue, it's like, oh, Jack of Hearts is here. And it'll say, like, She-Hulk's boyfriend, he just regained his powers. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so let, let's talk about the cover art for each yep. of these issues here so all these were done by chip zadarsky and there are some uh i think each one had like variant covers as well too but the main one yeah, i have a variant for number one the others gotcha. have the normal four yeah which, which one is the variant one that you have the variant one i have it's number one it's uh scotty young and it's like i'll hold oh. it up so the camera can see it it's like uh a baby spider-man and an old spider-man oh nice i love that that's very very much a scotty young type of art yeah yeah, yeah i mean obviously fantastic. it's not going to draw a different kind of art but like if you if you know scotty young's work and you that's see that how cover, he draws all his variants yes yeah like it's it's really it's 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 oh that's a lot of fun so yeah so if you're listening to this if you watch a youtube video you can actually see it or want to google it and look it up you can do that as well too but um the main cover arts have been done by chip zadarsky who is an artist um i really like his cover art because they're very simple but what he includes in there first of all it's like it's all a single opaque color overlay on all the yeah. art, right? So it's like an, an entire color with um, some minimalistic art drawn on there. So the first issue is Spider-Man swinging um, his web, but the web is like attached to uh, U.S. military helicopters to kind of signify yeah. the Vietnam War. Um, the second one, because it takes place in the 60s, it kind of has a <laughs> disco theme to it. It's the 70s. I like this. The 70s. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. 70s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the 70s, uh, for issue number two, Spider-Man is like hanging from the top of it. And then his um, his web is attached to what looks like a disco ball. But the disco ball is also drawn into a um, – to the pumpkin goblin. Bomb. Pumpkin yeah. bomb. Thank you. Yeah. So, so it looks like a disco ball with the pumpkin bomb face on it. Um, so again, it indicates to you that it's going to take place in the 70s and that you know the Green Goblin is going to be involved with this somehow. Yeah. Each cover gives you an idea of what you're going to get in the book. Exactly. But what I love about it is it's also very minimalistic. So it's not oh, yeah. a lot of details that go in there, but it gives you enough to know what's happening. Like it's it's very well done. Like I, I know people say that a lot of people think that minimalistic means like simple or easy, but it's really not no. because you got to think about you got a lot of white what's called white space that you have to deal with. And he does this very well to be able to just say these are the things that really captures what's happening in the issue or gives you an idea on that. And he just knocks it out right. of the park 
with that. The '80s so, one is my favorite. I, I think the '80s one yeah. is my favorite. It's got a purple background. It's got Spidey with his arms crossed in the coffin in the black yes. suit. Yep. And then you have the missiles coming down from the webs with the USSR logos on them. And I think this. I'm looking at him in front of me right now. This issue has like more obvious white space than the others. Right. And I think it works really well because in this in issue three, the eighties one, he's his story is just so distant from everything else aside from like the one thing with um Secret Wars. Like right. the one little bit of Secret Wars, but everything else he's so, his stories are so distant from everything else. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and what's really cool about this one is just like you said, with the bombs dropping down and him in the coffin that below, like your eyes just kind of get that sense of like things are about to crash into each other yep. in that sense. Right. And it's 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 a looming. There's a looming effect to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just definitely if you haven't read the issue, like definitely check out the art. I mean, you can go to the League of Comic Geeks or you can just do a Google search. And yeah. they're really just a prime example of how you can have minimalistic art that just really knocks it out of the water in terms of um, giving an idea of like what's going to happen in the story, what it's centered around, basically, and and that it's yeah. really gorgeous in that regard. So it, it's it's definitely a, a very difficult to do that sort of art. Um, oh, for sure. So so yeah, the cover art I absolutely love. Is there any of the other like variants or anything else to the cover art that you want to add on to that, Aaron? I. I don't have any of the others, but I'll say like, you know, after the 80s, you get the 90s one and it has him looking in the mirror on the wall and it's cracked because he does the clone saga. Yes. Five is the Captain America with like the white and red fighting inside of his chest because it's the Civil War. The Civil War. And then the 2010s one is like this, just this dark black with a little bit of red on it because it's like this is the end of it, which is so good. And what I love about that is is it has multiple meanings. Because not only yeah. does it signify that, it's also where we see Miles Morales with him as well too. That wears yeah. the black suit. So like again, like just a very a very great way of being able to use the space that's in front of you to be able to convey like multiple meanings of what's happening there uh, without having to like get crazy with the details or anything. Yeah, so, and the covers yeah. pop too. Like on a shelf, yeah. you would you would be like, what is that? Yes. Yeah. And, and what's funny is I've always known Chip Zdarsky more as a writer than an artist. Um, public domain. He, he did the art. art. Say what? He does great art, though. His art he is does. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is I think he gets um, more recognized for his writing than his art. But his art is really fantastic. Like, is it on the same level as some of the other artists out there? I mean, definitely not. But like he I think he may have I can't remember. Maybe, you know, like I think he may have started as an artist before he started writing. But his, I, his I art remember. is good. Yeah, he does if, a if lot. You, he did a lot of those variant covers of like how to draw certain characters, and he did them all right. like comedically. And yeah. so he showed his mix of stuff. It's like we were talking about, like you mentioned Scotty Young earlier, and like his specific style for variants, right? Right. I feel like Chip and Scotty feel, fall into this same thing of you know them for one thing, but when you see their other stuff, you're really impressed. Like if you've ever read like a book where Scotty Young does the art, he, right. his normal art style is amazing, but no one knows him for it because of the variants. Right. But like right. everyone knows Chip for writing, but whenever he does art, you're like, this guy can draw too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And, and if you want to see his work where he does writing and the art, Public Domain is the book to check out, which is a great series as good. well too. And and again, the art in there is is fantastic as well too. So if you really want to see a different side of Chip, like I would definitely recommend uh, checking out Public Domain and looking at his art in that story. Yeah. So, 
All right, so we'd cover, we've done the cover art. Let's go into our favorite, or I don't want to say favorite, because this could be our favorite four <laughs> or five moments. It could be like moment where we're just like, WTF is that, or something that yeah. you absolutely hated, something like that. So just like four or five moments from the series that we want to talk about. So I'm going to kick it off to you, Aaron, and give you a uh, first choice. What is the first moment from the series that you want to discuss? So the one of the moments, so I actually have a list. I, I took notes. And one of the, <laughs> I literally have a section called moments. I also made a thing of major differences in certain okay. things as well. Yeah. Turning into that. But the first moment I wrote, because this one stood out to me the first time I read it, and it stood out to me this time, it's the scene at the end of issue one when they're in the bar and mm-hmm. Norman reveals that he knows Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah. And, but he doesn't really say it. it. At first, it's the fact that Peter sees the pumpkin bomb. Right. And Norman comments on it that makes him go, oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> like, and it's such a it's such a good moment. It's such yeah. a fantastic moment and shows how just like batshit Norman is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and, and it's uh, the fact that he planned that out ahead of time. And like he's kind of a strategist in that regard. Right. Like he yeah. knows like he's pretty much pinned him up into like what he wants Spider-Man to do and to be able to. Yeah you know, take him out basically. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's the thing. like you said, like he never really says that Peter Spider-Man, but you kind of get a sense that when he tells him about the pumpkin bomb, that he was waiting to see his reaction to actually get it confirmed. Right. Like he doesn't, he doesn't straight up say like, I know you're Spider-Man. Like he just, he makes like little comments of like, you're like the other person you are, your other life. Like, he never just goes like, I know you're Spider-Man. It's like, Peter knows he knows he's (laughs) Spider-Man. And that's enough for Norman. He doesn't have to straight up say it. He's like, I can mess with you and you know that I know. And I'm threatening you here so you know that I know. And retroactively, what makes that moment so much more like, to show that Norman really planned it out is, a lot of Norman's character in this book is like, Harry is his guy. Like, Harry, like, he might not show that he always loves Harry, but he cares for Harry, even if it's just as a tool. Right. And in this scene, Harry would also be at risk if Peter did something inside the bar. Right. But he knows Peter would never do that. Right. So he exactly. like, even in that moment, it's like retroactively, you know, like, oh, Norman really planned this. Yeah. Because his oh, yeah. son was there. Yep. So yep, he made sure of all that. Yeah. And what what's interesting is later on in that issue that I really thought was a really cool idea that Chip in- integrated into the story is when Spider-Man finally has Green Goblin down, like he has this moment where he's talking to himself about, he knows who I am. He knows, you know, who my family is and my loved ones are. He has a moment yeah. where he's like, maybe I should just let him die. And then my secret is safe. Right. And I feel like yeah. we don't get that a whole lot. And that that's a, like a real struggle that I'm sure like a real superhero could probably, you know, struggle with is like, you know, do I do this in order to protect the people I love because you want to do anything, but that also goes against, you know, the the moral superhero code, the Batman code that everyone knows him for and yeah. all that, right? Um, well, so, yeah. This is one of those things that, like, falls under, you know, like one of those differences I was talking about is that right. in this issue, right, they put Green Goblin away and whatnot, mm-hmm. and I wrote down in the differences, Gwen knows he's Spider-Man. What a yes. lot of people who haven't read the earlier stuff don't realize, Gwen never knew Peter was Spider-Man. She didn't know why Green Goblin kidnapped her. Right. And the thing is, in this story, in the original, when he finds out that 
you know, it's Peter. He kidnaps Gwen. Gwen falls off the bridge. She dies. And then Goblin dies the next issue. But in this, Goblin lives. Right. Whereas in the original, he's impaled by his, like, he's just, he's dead. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. Him and Gwen are both dead, but him and Gwen both survive this initial encounter of, I know who you are. Yeah. And and I think technically this story is not in the main 616 continuity no. i I think it's in its own like earth and all that which is yeah, why yeah they could take liberties with changing you know it's things just interesting in the to see that difference right because yeah, it, it also gives gwen more agency within the story that she knows peter is spider-man right exactly uh the first moment i want to bring up is the fact that doc ock is married to aunt may um, I know this is borrowed from a very early story of Spider-Man where this actually happened in the comics. Uh, I got to say, though, this was kind of odd for me because <laughs> Doc Ock was like when you first see him, he was like in his 40s. But when you see Aunt May, Aunt May is like in her 60s or 70s. Yeah, they still drew her kind of old in this. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's odd about this for me is that you can see that Doc Ock is like cares for her a lot and like loves her throughout, you know, the entire series yeah. and everything. But like, I just wasn't expecting that huge of an age difference. And I don't think like that's the age difference that we saw in the original comics when that first was introduced in 616. But it, it was like, I think even the first issue of Peter Parker, Spider-Man and the series, you see him in the house with Aunt May and Aunt May is like clearly in her sixties and all that. And Doc yeah. is, is a, you know, he's not on May's age is weird sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, I, I just thought it was kind of a <laughs> weird thing for me, I guess. And yeah. seeing that, and it only, they only really, you know, touch base on it. I think in a few issues, like they touch base on it when he actually got married uh, to Aunt May, I think in issue two or three or something like that. Um, yeah. And then they really touch base on it again until the final issue because they had to explain, you know, why Aunt May was living with Peter and Mary and Jane yeah, yeah. Um, without, you know, Otto and everything. And so they had to explain that part and it made a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, it was just I don't know, like the whole time I just remember thinking like this is just kind of like an odd storyline in general to begin yeah. with. But then to draw them like, you know, significantly different <clears throat> in age and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, that. That storyline in terms of like 616 has been referenced as recently as like the Beyond era. Yeah. Which was only a few years ago. But the thing right. is, right, in more recent years, it's they've drawn Aunt May. She's not like young, young. She's not like in her like, I'm going to say 30s or 40s, but they've drawn her looking younger. Right. Like she right. doesn't have the long curly hair anymore. Like she's got a shorter haircut. It's more silver than it is gray. Right. You know, she dresses a little younger. They've made her look physically a little younger. So it right. isn't as like weird. And I think that's also part of just because the actresses for Aunt May have gotten younger and yo- or younger and younger looking over the years. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, the the MCU, you know, Aunt May, like is, is definitely been the youngest looking one of all the ones that we've had in, in, yeah. in the film. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that, that was probably like the, the oddest thing for me in the whole series. So what's what's the next that. moment that you want to cover? <laughs> Um, are we just hopping around here or whatever you want to hit? Yeah. Like I'm just, okay. we're just going to go back and forth on this. Yeah. Cause a lot of, a lot of my notes are from a lot of the later issues to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah. So it doesn't have to be in chronological order. Just okay. whatever happened in the story. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, one thing that did stand out to me that I was like, this is kind of a weird thing. It's the, in issue three, I specifically rose in issue three. MJ talks about how like she can never compare to the perfect ghost of Gwen. 
which is a mm-hmm. weird thing they started doing more in recent years of the comics after like MJ. I don't know, but it's yeah. weird. Um, but in this universe, g- they do the whole thing where Gwen does turn out to be a clone, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the clone thing and her death are written so far apart in terms of, like, actual 616. But in this one, she's been a clone, as far as we know, since, like, high school. Yeah. Whereas, and everyone's just been around that Gwen and not known the difference. So the Gwen that everyone sees that, like, gets impaled by glass in this issue is one that, honestly, no one really knows anymore. Right. So when everyone's like, oh, I have to live up to the perfect ghost of Gwen, I'm like, what are you talking about? The Gwen <laughs> that you've all known for the majority of your lives is was like a clone. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that line kind of like it – I understood what Zadarsky was doing, but mm-hmm. to me it didn't make sense within the universe itself. Right, right. Because like – because, like, yeah, Peter was like, oh, that was the original Gwen. Like, that was the one I fell in love with. It's like, but that's not the one you continued to love. You continued right. to love someone who was basically the exact same because even before the clone of Gwen goes off to do her own thing, Mary Jane's like, I hope things between us are still okay. And Gwen goes, MJ, I have all the memories of the Gwen that came before me. Like, mm-hmm. we'll always be best friends. And right. I'm like, so there's no real difference beyond that, like – She's a clone. It, it's so. just like the the multiplicity movie that that we that uh, we had with Michael Keaton, right? It's it's uh, all the memories that they have. Like they have that same shared memory. It's weird that they don't remember like that cloning process. And I'll be honest, I don't know much about the clone era of um, Peter Parker. And I, I guess it was Gwen was cloned in in the six one six universe at one point. They, I guess they didn't even talk about that. That wasn't a thing until like around the one more day era i think okay gotcha so i'm not as familiar with that area of spider-man as i am with others but like the gwen the gwen clone thing like it did come up every so often but it wasn't as like big of a story point until like more modern years like they had done it but it was never a thing that like stuck and caused any like lasting issues right you know okay gotcha that makes sense yeah yeah it's well and, and um the the question I have to ask now that we're talking about this is that, you know, basically when they found out that, you know, there were clones of, you know, Peter Parker with, you know, essentially Ben Riley and then uh, Gwen was a clone. Gwen, you know, took on a different name and ended up being with Ben Riley and they went off and did yeah. their thing. T- remind me if I'm missing this, but did they ever say, like, what happened to Gwen? Because later on, like, we see Ben Riley. You know, coming that's back in the to, annual issue. Is that what happened? That's, okay, gotcha. <laughs> she, when her her and Ben end up splitting, and she becomes a therapist under a different name. Oh, okay, gotcha. She becomes like a therapist for people that Spider Man has put in prison. Okay, so which I <laughs> that's feel like actually really interesting. A very strong conflict of interest. Yeah, <laughs> but she's like her whole explanation is that like I had to go to a lot of therapy to figure out how all these things affected me. And once I figured that out, I felt that these other people needed help too. Right. Right. So, yeah. which is a noble cause. Yeah. Um, but that's what ends up happening to her. Like the context is given for her and context is given for one of the moments, I think in issue five, that's really okay. like the only major things that changes. It also explains why Jay Jonah doesn't really show up much, but that's right. uh, about it. Okay. That makes sense. So, 
the next moment uh, for me that I want to talk about is Ben Riley and the Scarlet Spider teasers that we kind of get in this series. Because yeah. it actually shows up a couple of times. We definitely got the teaser where Peter Parker um, it tells Ben Riley because Doc Ock had like did some sort of analysis on the DNA and he tells them that Ben Riley is actually the original and that Peter Parker is the yeah. clone, right? Which was a thing for a bit there, which was right. a thing of like Peter Parker's the clone and the clone's the original. and Right, exactly. And then they, you know, it was they, like, oh, gotcha. They put the whole clone saga in one issue, man. It's never going <laughs> to yeah. make full sense. Yeah, because it, because later on that issue, you find out that that actually wasn't the case. And Peter Parker like knew this whole time, but I guess <laughs> yeah. he did that because he wanted to give Ben, I guess, like a, a better life. Because life. Yeah. yeah, you know, because like he had all these things, but he couldn't be Spider Man, and so he wanted to go ahead and, and like give that back to him. Um, which yeah. I still find it kind of weird that you know he just didn't tell him the truth. But it's like you know, if you want to do this, like, like Peter I kind of get man. it, but at the same time, it's like eh, whatever. But um, in that issue, though. We see that when Peter Parker is telling him, yeah, you can be Spider-Man, Ben Riley pulls out the Spider-Man mask to give him, and it's the Scarlet yeah. Spider one, and he's wearing yep. the blue hoodie that he's always known for wearing. Yeah. Um, what I also love is I can't remember if it's that same issue or if it's an issue before, but you see Peter Parker kind of teasing that a little bit because he's wearing his Spider-Man suit, but he's also wearing not a blue hoodie, but it's the same color blue of his hoodie that's kind yeah, of like tattered they really around his with the colors in it. They did, yeah. So they kind of get because when I remember seeing that, I was like, "That looks a lot like the Scarlet Spider suit." And sure enough, that's what you know they um, brought into full circle later on. And so it was a really cool way for them to kind of tease that sort of thing. Again, if you didn't know who Scarlet Spider was, it wasn't going to be a big deal, you know. But for those yeah. who are huge fans, like it was a nice little Easter egg um, that you can kind of see coming. And, and oh, yeah. that's yeah. exactly what happened. Is they kind of I mean, he didn't become Scarlet Spider, but they just kind of you know. I think they call him the Red Mask. I think he says, like, people called him the Red Mask or something. That's right. Uh, Yeah, the the Chicago Vigilante, the Red Mask. Yeah, that's right. But what's what's interesting, and you you say this, and, like, if it's a perfect segue into the other moment I was going to – one of the other moments I was going to talk about, or just a little thing, is, like, those – even if you don't know something, you can enjoy it. But if you know something, it's there. And one of the issues, when Peter's not with MJ anymore, he's hooking up with Jessica Jones – Right. Which, like, if you don't know that Jessica Jones had a crush on Peter Parker in high school, you're just going to be like, what's Jessica Jones doing in this book and why is she hooking up with Peter? <laughs> but like, and it's only like a three page thing, really, that yeah. discusses it. But it's like, oh, well, of course this happened in this universe. I guess she just didn't get with Luke and her and Peter end up hooking up because she liked him in high school. Right. Right. Exactly. Like- so. And that and that's something I feel like didn't really detract too much, you know, from that because you could just it, they did a good enough job to say that you know they were split. Obviously, you know, yeah. like if you know who Jessica Jones was, it was a, like a kind of a cool you know thing to include that character. Yeah, I mean, in she's there. doing investigation in in the book, which exactly. is clear that's how they got back in contact, probably, and that's why they started hooking up because they started talking again because he hired her. Right. Yeah. So. And, and they incorporate a lot of different characters into this. That just made a lot oh, yeah. of sense. So it made sense for him to have Jessica Jones in there. They had Tony Stark, who's like the rival for him for um, so industrial wise. In book. Yeah, He's such <laughs> a piece of. Oh my god. Yeah, he's well, absolutely it, cool in this book. I know. Well, especially More that one so scene when he's talking to Peter about like trying to merge two companies and having Tony Stark 
you know, take over. He's like, what do you want me to do to make this happen? And he was just like, stop making weapons. And then you see that face of like, how dare you ask me to yeah. not do that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's clear that this Tony is fundamentally different at his core. Yeah. Than 616 Tony, because they're right. both Iron Man. Right. So, yeah, but it's, it's definitely because he shows up a couple of times. Uh, throughout the series, uh, along yeah. with Reed Richards, so like it made a lot of sense, like why he was interacting with Tony Stark and why he was interacting with Reed Richards and stuff like yeah. that, and, and it made a lot of sense in that regard. So, um, next moment that you wanted to talk about from the series, um, let me see here. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to just see what I have here. Uh, one of the things that I did want to talk about with uh, it's not in my notes but i just remembered it with um the scarlet spider stuff is that the stuff with morlin in the yes. 2000s issue when ben dies because yes. morlin attacks him and peter's like i knew this was going to happen but i didn't say anything and i'm like that stuff just kind of bothered me personally uh-huh. i guess because it just it, it just felt weird for peter not to mention it but i guess he doesn't mention it because in the comics when Peter meets Ezekiel and he's warned about Morlin. The Morlin stuff happens like a week later. Whereas right. in this, it feels like it's set up that Ezekiel told Peter this years ago. Right. Because he, yeah. him and his family are so hidden from society at this point. Yeah. But it also implies that like Ben could not figure out how to beat this guy if he tried, which right. it falls into that thing of like, people always see Ben as the lesser Spider-Man, which I personally don't think is right. I think Ben is a, a whole kind of other Spider-Man in his own way, but that's just right. me as a Ben Wiley fan. Yeah. But because it's like Peter's kids figure out how to beat him. It's like, why can't Ben also stand a fighting chance? Like they make it like Ben stood no chance. He right. just got destroyed. Yeah. I'm like, come on. It just, I guess it just irked me as a, as a Ben Riley fan, but I did think it was interesting that Ezekiel coming to warn Peter was such a different time in general than when Moreland actually shows up. Yeah. And and I think what they're trying to accomplish there is that just like you said, he was told about this years ago. That's that what it when feels they, like at least. Yeah. I mean, cause the way he talks about it, it makes it seem like it wasn't anything recent or anything like that. Cause yeah. it almost seemed like he like recalled that yeah. happening as opposed to something that was, you know, discussed recently or anything like that. And I think it was just kind of showing that even in that age, like he's still dealing with the guilt of, of I should have done something to stop this sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's, I mean, who knows? Like maybe, maybe Tim Zdarsky <laughs> was just like, I don't like Ben Riley. I'm just going to go ahead and kill him. Off. Like, that, that's why I incorporating the story so I can kill him. Right. Like <laughs> with, with Honestly, with how comics are written, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't yeah. know, Chip. I've never spoken to Chip. I'm not going to go out there saying that he just hates Ben Riley. So we put him in a book to kill him, but right. it wouldn't be the most surprising thing I've seen in a comic. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, for me, another thing I wanted to touch base on was I got to say the Spider-Man suits in each of these issues were just phenomenal. Um, They're all I don't different, know. And I like that. Yeah, yeah. So were they? Were any of them like I know the first one, the classic one, is from uh, the main continuity, but were the other ones like riffs off of the ones that showed up in the main not, continuity, or were these brand new ones? You know, not really. I think okay. they were all pretty much brand new because he had the one where he had like the silver armor on his shoulders and stuff. Yes, it was like a kind of a weird look, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. But as far as <laughs> I could tell and recall, 
none, they were all kind of their own thing aside from the black suit and the classic suit. Right, right. I got to say, the the second issue one with uh, the shoulder pads that you mentioned, that was actually my favorite one. Cause it's a good-looking one. It's a good-looking one. <laughs> very practical. Like, if you think about it, you know, he's having these knee pads and shoulder pads to kind of help cushion blows of whenever he's falling yeah. and stuff like that. But it just looked really cool. And it gave off a lot of um, – PlayStation 4 Spider-Man video game vibes from yeah, 2018. Yeah, I, thought, I thought that, yeah. It looked a lot like that. It just didn't have like the white um, in yeah. there or anything like that, but it had that very similar style, and I really loved that style. That was probably my favorite suit, but I just loved how they incorporated all the different kinds of suits. And like Chip Zdarsky does that with some of these superheroes. So um, Batman, right? Like he incorporated a few of the suits and the Batman run he's writing in there. I'm loving his Batman run. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I, I just love like the different suits that they were able to play around with. And they were all just really cool. I don't think there was any of them that really hated at all. They were just all so phenomenal. So, you know, great work to Mark Bagley for drawing that and making it just look so super cool. And that it must, been oh, fun yeah. to be able to just draw a new one for every issue too and they clearly do like different things because as he gets older it's clear they're helping him in different ways with different like issues with his body mm-hmm. because like even as you look later on and um they have like some of them look more like they have more robotic parts on them like almost like braces right which i thought was an interesting uh design choice right but it makes yeah. sense because yep. he even talks about, like, I'm getting older. He's like, I can still do this stuff, but I probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, when he, well, and, and the part where he's like, you know, the doctor told me I shouldn't be, you know, lifting like buses anymore, just cars or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just want to be like, how did that doctor visit go without him revealing his identity? <laughs> like, did he show up with the mask on and, and his underwear? Like, oh, that's okay. it? Like, is that how he did his uh, examination? It's just, you know? It's such a, it's such a fun moment. And, like, with that quip, too, it reminds me, he doesn't quip a lot in this book. He, that's true. He's a pretty serious Spider Man in this book. Yeah. Which makes it very different. He's not a, he's not a very optimistic Spider Man. I, I think it shows, it shows maturity, though, because in the first issue, he does a lot of quips with Green Goblin when he's fighting him, yeah. right? And then, But I think you're right that every issue, like, it just kind of got less and less. And I think by issues, he's like, more four more or five. Ground down. Like, exactly. He's, just, he's more like survival. away the top. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything just gets worse consecutively. Because, like, you, I mean, just look at issue three. You have... Battle World Secret Wars, where he's away for like three weeks. His kids are born while he's gone. Right. And he gets back with the black suit, and then he has Craven coming after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like he almost kills Craven in the process. It's just right. like it, he, it's like a turning point in the series for him. After right. that, he's just like not a quippy person. He's very much like, God, this sucks. What am I doing? <laughs> Until the final so, issue, when he's out in space yeah. with Miles, he tells Miles like he needs to have a sense of humor because Miles didn't, didn't have like a lot of jokes when they're flying oh. out to the um, space station. I mean, you station. find out why, but yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, just the fact that he's telling him like, you know, you need to joke around and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, shows like he's, again, full Which, circle kind of at peace with everything. That was a funny reference, too, because um, – he says like, oh, I went through that very serious phase too because there's like the infamous thing from when Ditko was working on Spider-Man where Spider-Man would like yell at college protesters and stuff. Yeah. And But that came from Ditko's own political beliefs, which are not at all endorsable uh, in the <laughs> slightest. I don't know if anyone has ever looked at a Mr. A comic. Mm. It, it, 
but Ditko was very much a like like if you commit any crime you deserve the worst punishment type person right so and that them him saying that to miles i'm 99 percent sure was a joke about how peter went through a phase where he was always serious about things because that's just how ditko was drawing the book right right so it's one of those deeper cuts that if you know you know yeah Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of those in there as well, too. That, oh, for sure. Again, for any level of Spider-Man fan, you know, like it definitely has a lot where if you are obsessed with the Spider-Man comics, you're going to find a lot more than more of the casual fans or even ones who are, you know, avid readers, but, you know, yeah. don't do the deep dive or anything like that. Like it really hits for a lot of people on a lot of different levels for that reason. So, yeah. all right, what, what's the last moment for you that you wanted to chat about uh, from the series? Um, I'm just going to say something that was just, uh, you know what? No, I'm going to talk about, because we can talk about this at a different point. I'm going to talk about Claire's speech to uh, Peter about being a hero. Yeah. In issue five, because he's like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should go. And she's like, you have to. It's like, mm-hmm. we know you have to. And she even says, like, I saw the footage of you wearing the mask after Jonah's funeral. And it made me realize you always carry it on you. And she was like, that's why you moved us out here to the middle of nowhere. So you didn't have to see people who need you beyond us. So right. you didn't have to be the hero. And she's like, but you know, in your heart of hearts that you need to be the hero. And it comes back around in the final issue when they're going to the space station. You see Claire, his daughter, wearing the Mayday outfit. Right. She's wearing Mayday Parker's outfit. Yeah, clearly showing she became a hero, too. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's in their blood. Like, that's the whole thing. Right. And like it's even like that in the comics. It's like Spider-Man and anyone who is like his kid, family, whatever. They're going to be heroes because it's just in their blood to do the right thing. Right. Yeah. And I love that. Claire is like Claire knows that. So if you haven't read the book, Claire is his daughter in this, not Mayday. Mm-hmm. Um, he has twins, Claire, and I think Benji is the other Benji. one. Benji, yep, mm-hmm. yeah. And Claire gets way more focused than Benji, probably because Peter's never really had a son, and they were just like, "Let's do something with Claire more." Right. Um, but she gives this whole speech about like you need to do the right thing because it's just in your heart, you know, you have to. Which right. I thought was such a great moment after a couple issues of Peter being like, "What am I even doing? Can I do this anymore?" And he just becomes a recluse, basically. Right. Yeah. And I think and that goes into my final point that I wanted to share about the story is that it comes in full circle by the end of the issue or by the end of the series and the final issue where he is out in space and he does some sort of weird mind melding thing with Miles, who you find out was actually being manipulated by Doc Ock, which I was still not quite sure, like. One, how that worked and how Peter figured it out. Other, like He figured out that it was Otto, but I don't know like why he'd be like, oh, of course this is Otto. He's controlling his mind somehow. You know, like it was kind of a weird <laughs> thing. But I'm it sure it was a just superior like, Spider-Man condensed down in a way that they tried to make sense for it. Right. So, but like when you're when you're you know a casual fan like I am, it, it was just like I don't know how he came to that yeah. conclusion. But okay, you know this is one issue. So, but what I love is that he had a moment where he got to talk to Aunt May, and Aunt May talks about how you know why she and Doc Ock split is because of what he what Doc Ock needed to have, and then yeah. Peter said, and what's really cool is that 
Peter is in his old age, like, you know, 60s, 70s or something like that. I think 70s. And uh, he looks a lot like a Uncle Ben kind of character when yep. they juxtapose his face next to May. And he yep. said, like, you know, what is it that I need? And she said that you needed to save Ben. Like, that's what you need. And because you can't ever get that, you need to save everyone else. Like, that is what you needed. It's and I such thought, a good moment. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was just it was a very powerful moment and that it just explained so much. And like you just felt like he had a sense of completion, basically, in terms of his life and, and what everything meant to that, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, it was just it was such a it was a really powerful way of just kind of summarizing, you know, what motivated him all these years, you know, even until well, this the age. book ends with him saving Ben in his dream. Right. Because the, yes. the issue starts really with him talking cool. about a dream, and MJ's like, you can tell me about it later when you get back. Yeah. But the issue ends with him saving Ben in the dream because in terms of within the universe, he saves everyone. Right. Like, what him and Miles are doing literally saves everyone from being under a regime of Doctor Doom. Right. So to him, he's done it. He's freed the world. He saved everyone. He can finally save Ben. Yeah. yeah. And like that's what it is. Him saving people is him saving Ben. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's like a great complete circle on it. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, so this was a great story. Overall, you know, final thoughts about the writing and art and, and this story, Aaron. What do you want to share overall about this? Um, I thought Zdarsky did a great job. Uh, I mean, any major issues I kind of already mentioned with the like, like WTF moments and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think Zdarsky is just one of those writers who's really good at comedic and really good at serious. But I would argue uh, of the stuff I've read, like even compared to his Batman. This feels more serious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, be, and I think it's because his Batman has had universal, like, multi-universal shenanigans. That might be why it feels less serious than this. Well, but it just had, like, dark, o- it had a lot more over-the-top stuff in Batman, it, right? Yeah. That, whereas the fact this that was Batman survived the landing stuff. from moon to the earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Zdarsky really wanted to do, like, a more, like, grounded Spider-Man story. And he did it. He did it well. Uh, I enjoyed it just as much as the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. And I thought Bagley still draws a very dynamic Spider-Man book. Right. Still, he d- he does an amazing job uh, with it. So uh, his line his line work and his figures are always great. They always work well for Spider-Man. Yeah. And most of his work has been on Spider-Man, so it was really great to see him yeah. do a different kind of story with Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and get to see him do other characters, too, in a different way, like a different type of cap. A different type of, you know, Tony, like he, he had to draw them in a different way than he's normally used to. So it was interesting to see him um, kind of flex in a weird way, because when right. you have to draw a character a different way than you normally do, you have to fight that muscle memory. Right. Exactly. So yeah. I thought I yeah. thought they both did a fantastic job. And I, and I think that, yeah, I mean, just him being able to work on like an aging Peter, um, an aging, you know, uh, Reed Richards, aging Avengers because we got the older aging Avengers. Aging everyone, in this. yeah, <laughs> like yeah. aging. Even like the one time he showed Craven, like Craven was like decrepit yes. and like, and then the next time you see him, he's a skeleton. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which that was bizarre, but it was so cool too. Oh, like, I love like that a really scene. cool. That was idea. one of the coolest yeah. scenes when it turned yeah. out he was Venom, but he was just a skeleton inside of Venom. <laughs> <Yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> Again, so. a, cra- a crazy idea that probably originated from Chippy. Like, why don't we just do this? You know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it was great. Yeah, I honestly, I so I not a very avid reader of Spider-Man comics. There's there's only a handful mm-hmm. of comics of Spider-Man that I've actually read, but I gotta say this is 
definitely a favorite story, you know, not just a Spider-Man story, but just a favorite story in general that if I had anyone that asked me what is a good Spider-Man story to read, I would definitely suggest this one because it's all, again, self-contained and you can follow along with it without knowing any of the stuff outside of it, other than like knowing, you know, the general concept of who Spider-Man is and and everything like that. Um, But it's just a really well done story. So this is probably one of my favorite um, books I've read this year because of that. I don't think I have any... (laughs) Real like major qualms or anything like that with the story, so it's definitely like I would give this like a nine or ten out of ten for sure. Yeah, my qualms were all personal, like the Ben Riley stuff. <laughs> Otherwise, like I was like, it's great, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. so, well, let's let's go ahead and end the episode with the comics that we're reading. So, like what we always do, we want to share what people um, are reading who uh, listen to the show. Um, so starting mm-hmm. off with Comic Watch, we have Chad Burdett said that he's reading Night Terrors, the main story, and most high-ends uh, continue to be good, but Williamson stick the landing and make it more than uh, a very forgettable event and rereading the Poe Dameron series. Uh, I'm sorry, Poe Dameron series. Uh, Dameron? The Poe series, you know, from Star Wars. It's Dameron. Is it Dameron? I don't know. Yeah. It's been a while since I said that name, so... <clears throat> Uh, Dustin Gable said, just finished a reread of That Texas Blood in prep of Enfield Gang Massacre, which that book is phenomenal. Um, Only gets better with every read, and Philip's colors are what really stuck out with me this time around. That book has a colorscape for each arc, and they still all feel distinct yet cohesive and unlike anything else on the shelves. Uh, B-Rat said, I'm rereading the street-level Marvel books from the 80s, like Daredevil, Marvel (laughs) Team-Up, Spider-Woman. Like This guy, I swear, B-Rat is always reading... Like a thematic series of stuff. It's never He's just like always, I'm reading this book. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he <laughs> always picks stuff in groupings. Yeah, I oh, know. Well, groupings or like a very specific um, uh, purpose, basically, right? He's like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go through like the Silver Age, you know, pre such and such dawn or yeah, or, yeah. or something like that. And it's just yeah. So it's always fascinating, like to see what he puts in there. Um, and he's remembering why this era is the one that made him fell in love uh, with the medium to begin with. And then Anthony Bergamini said, I'm trying to catch up on the TMNT starting from number 100. Um, again, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> we're on like 175 almost, I think, right? Yeah, like we're, I think, far, we're far past 100. Yeah. 175 yeah, and, is probably wrong, but we're far past 100 now. Yeah, we're, we're at 142. But I, I think he's starting out at 100 because 100, I think, like is where it starts with. Um, it's like a soft reset almost. I think yeah. Sophie I think it was, Campbell it, takes over then. Yeah, it, it was a reset when Sophie Campbell starts becoming the main writer for the series. Yeah, and I think that might be like when they started the the City at War series, if I remember correctly. But yeah, Something so one hundred like yeah. is like where people say you know if you want to start somewhere, start with one hundred because that's a kind of yeah. like the reset for that. So. Um, but he says that he so far is at 110 and I'm enjoying the expanded mythos, including Jenny, uh, which if you don't know, uh, Jenica is one of the uh, new Ninja Turtles that introduced into uh, the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I really like her character. I think it makes a lot of sense and it's really cool to see um, her with the group as well, too. So I really love her in the series. And then in our Lunacasters Discord, uh, Subway Jones says he's been working his way through the Teen Titan books. The latest one is Beast Boy. Uh, You're the Collector said, I just binged the, She-Wolf, the She-Hulk run by Rainbow Rowell, um, all number 15 issues in one sitting. Art dialogues. I have to watch 15 still. I have to read fit issue 15. I haven't gotten it from my LCS yet. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I don't think he's, he's spoiling anything in this. So you're okay, good, cool. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, but um, but he said, you know, art dialogues, character development, world building, continuity, yeah. romance, a literal fight club. This book has it all. Uh, Titanic Ahoy said, 
I've heard nothing uh, but great things about the current run of She-Hulk. So it's it's um, it's something I'd need to check out at some point. I, I again, I have like all these stacks of books I'm still trying to read through. And I, all that. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody feels that, you know, and this is just the ones that you can see on camera. Like I my main piles are all over here stacked up on top of another one another. So, yeah. Once I get caught up on that, maybe I'll go back and, and try to pick up She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah. uh, t- Titanic Ahoy said, I'm loving the newer Avengers run. I think it's quite fresh. The take, the title needed. Um, Byron O'Neill said, I read Blade 1 last night and dig the shit out of it. Uh, Brian Hill is putting the swag back in the character, and it's got a pulpy vibe to it, um, which Brian Hill actually was a guest on the show. And I've heard nothing but great things about the Blade yeah, series that he's writing. And and honestly, like he's a fantastic writer. I read his um, American Carnage series that he did with DC Comics. I that was good. So good. I only read the first issue, but like I've been looking for the trade paperback because I want to read the entire thing. I might yeah. again. I might have to go through Hoopla and, and read it. But it's just it's so well written. It's just so fantastic. So so I'm glad that he's on that. Um, yeah. Byron also said he's also started the trade for Batman the Night, which I've been wanting to get because that's another Chip Zdarsky's book. <laughs> uh, he said, damn, that series is excellent. Joe Loves Comics said, this week I t- uh, finished Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus Volume Number 2 and then read the third Wind hardcover by James Tynan and Michael uh, Dillonis from Boom Studios. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Uh, the Throne in the Sky, and he absolutely loved them this weekend. He's starting the Black Science Compendium from Rick Remember. Uh, I'm sorry, Remender, Matea Scalera uh, from Image Comics, as well as catching up on the various Polis books. And then Carson said that he is reading Night Terrors, all of it, but he's 12 issues behind currently. <laughs> that Which, sounds about right. <laughs> I know. Well, in any and like, event, that sounds about right. <laughs> any event, yes, but especially Night Terrors with like so many books they have out. In this like two month period, like I'm surprised yeah. that you know it's only twelve issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're putting yeah. out a lot. So, so Aaron, what are you currently uh, reading? And let me ask you this: for Comic Watch, for people who are listening, what are you doing? Any uh, reviews this week for Comic Watch for um, issues that are coming out? I am not, but okay. you can keep an eye out. I'm working on a uh, review and a little retrospective on Silver Surfer Parable. Uh, okay. I reread that and I went to Matt and I was like, I'm I'm going to write a review about this now that I'm writing older <laughs> stuff. This is what yeah. you're going to get from me. And he was like, OK, <laughs> so nice. because Silver Surfer Parable is one of the few Silver Surfer stories I've read. And I think it is a timeless story and it is a beautiful book because it's drawn by Mobius. Right, right. So but cool. in terms of what I'm reading, like I said, I need to get the last issue of She-Hulk. Uh, and that's coming back as sensational She-Hulk in the fall. I don't know why they're not yes. just continuing it, but <laughs> a lot of people were confused by that all the yeah. time. Yep. <laughs> um, I was reading through the Invincible Deluxe collections, but I'm taking a break because I have to order the last two. Uh-huh. So uh, my my LCS, um, he was able to get like a ton of them on discount. So he gave them to me for the discount prices. So I got like the first ten of them. I still need eleven and twelve. So. Gotcha. Uh, but I'm enjoy- enjoying reading through that. Uh, and while I wait for that stuff, I was going to just work through other stuff I had sitting around. I have so many trades of stuff that I just like haven't read. Um, but I'm trying to work through like some of my Omnis. I'm going to work through. I've read a bunch of Dazzler because um, Dazzler is one of my favorite X-Men. Uh, but I'm finally going to sit down and read through her masterworks to get through all that. So right. that's that's probably my next like big read. 
Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. Because I, I love I love Dazzler. She, yeah. She's my girl. <laughs> I I um I only know her just from passing. I don't know much about the character, but I know like you've been posting in our comic watch slack like a lot of the Dazzler stuff, especially the stuff that had like come out recently and everything. Yeah, I, I did just read the Hellfire Gala. I, I will say <laughs> I did just read that. Yeah, uh, and. I saw the roster with Dazzler and I went, we're so back. And then I saw what happened the next page and I went, we're so not back. <laughs> like, it was like within two hours, this post happened because I didn't have the book in hand. Right. I just saw the roster and then I saw what happened on Twitter and yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm in pain, <laughs> but it was a good book. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the hellfire gala issue. So, right. Right. Yeah. For for me, I've been really far behind on my pull list. So, like, if you're watching the YouTube <laughs> video, too. you'll see I have these, like, two huge stacks of comics. Like, this is from the past maybe five or six weeks. So, I desperately – I've just been so busy lately that I have not had a chance to read anything. And so, my goal is the next couple of weeks to sit through and, and read these. Um, I'm also picking up from my local comic shop this week the – Fifth issue of Teenage Ninja Turtle Last Run in the Lost Years. And I think this is the final one in the series. So this is going to be I think so. the last one. And then they've actually announced that they're doing a, a Last Run in 2 where they're going to continue <laughs> with the, the new Ninja Turtles that they introduced. Uh. So – which I'm really excited. Like Last Ronin was was the first Ninja Turtle comic series I've read. Wow, Absolutely really? loved it. And that's what all got right. me into all the other ones. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. And, and I'm glad they're doing a – we're not continuing with the original turtles because they already have that going on in IDW. We're telling a new set of you know turtles, so I'm absolutely looking forward to this because I think you know they have a lot of flexibility in terms of storytelling to be able to um, do this. So I think they'll pull it off really well. Just you should read the turtles crossovers if you want fun turtle stuff. You should read the turtles crossovers. I, I got the Batman one. I have the Power Rangers one. Um, the Power I got Rangers the, was so good. I've heard nothing but great things about that one, so and I got good. the trade back, the trade paperback for the first volume. I got the single issues for the second volume um, especially the eastman cover where they had the green ranger and Raphael kind of split yep. so beautiful yep. like i was just like i, I kind of need this as a poster street fighter series too i need the street fighter series as well see i'm, I'm not excited about the street fighter like i grew up a street fighter but I, I was like eh. now i got the stranger things one like i'm a huge stri- fan How of stranger things i'm not ready yet because it's in this pile <laughs> kevin kevin i think it was kevin earlier told me it was good when i saw him yeah but i just like turtles crossing over with anything is like always a fun time to me. Yeah. Like in the preview for the Street Fighter one, I think it was like, I think it was Guile and Raph in a boxing ring just beating the piss out of each other. Yeah, and I'm like yeah. that. That sounds right. So, <laughs> yeah. The, but, well, this yeah. one, from what I've heard, again, I haven't read this first issue yet, but it's definitely a different kind of crossover where it's going to be the turtles from the original comic series where they're going to have like the red bandana because it's it's like taking place the same year because Stranger oh, Things is happening in the 80s, yeah. right? Yeah. And so they're that kind of doing sense. that sort of thing. So I think it's going to be very different than all the other crossovers that we've seen so I, far. So yeah. Turtles Turtles is back. You know how I know Turtles is back? Because <laughs> they're crossing over with everything, man. Dude, I was in a store the other day. I saw I saw official merch that was Naruto and Turtles <laughs> like mixed together. It was like Raph as Sasuke or something. Official yeah. merch in a store. Yeah. Like oh, that's yeah. how I know Turtles is back because they're crossing over with everything again. And they have and they have like five different series going out right now too, you know? Yeah. Like it's just it, it is, is insane. I heard it's, the new movie's fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. Someone went to see it early, and they were like, "It was amazing." Yeah, so, yeah. They, turtles are back. Turtles yeah. are back and popular again. Yeah. And then the the issues I'm reviewing for Comic Watch, um, I review Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer. Um, I'll be honest, I was not a. I don't want to say I'm not. A, I wasn't a fan of that issue. I just <laughs> I had a lot of issues with it. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll you, you can read the review for Comic Watch and stuff like that when that comes out, um, which you know should probably come out when this episode releases. We're actually recording before um, the episode releases, obviously, but. Um, that one, it's like, you know, I, I've reviewed a couple of the last Vampire Slayer issues, and I always feel like it's been kind of a hit or miss for whatever reason. And this one it was just like, there was just some, I, I don't know if like I just haven't kept up with the previous issues, that there's some things that are just kind of assumed in there, but I feel like there's some glaring yeah. issues with some of the well, writing and art. But coffee. even with the art, like there's some <laughs> issues with the art, but there's some issue or there's some things with the art that was like actually well done. That was just so, so great. But it was just, again, there's a few things I was just like, I I couldn't tell the difference between two of the characters in the series, you know? So, um, and then I'm doing a review for Grimm. I haven't done that review yet. I haven't read it yet. Um, I haven't read actually any of the issues yet. So it's going to be kind of fun (laughs) to go in to read this and like not know anything about it. <laughs> oh man. So we'll see you how that goes. Beforehand. Come on. I know. Well, if I had the time to read the 11 issues, like I, I, I would try. I feel but, that. Yeah. Feel That's that. why sometimes like I'll, I'll try to pick the lower numbers because like I could read like an issue or two before the one I have to review, just get context. Yeah. But I'm like, I'll just do grim and every once in a while I was like, you know, I'll do a, a crazy one just to see. So and I, you can again, give it time and uh, Tyler will stop reviewing Spider-Man and you can take over. <laughs> Maybe. I think we'll we've see. gone through what three people in this in this current run. I know, yeah. So. Well, and and I'll say this is that I usually try to pick books that I would normally not read. If it's Makes something sense. that's on my pull list, I purposely don't review it because I don't want to re- read it early and then go pick it up on my LCS and then immediately put it in my bin because I've already read it, right? Because I know myself that I'm that not going to read it again anytime soon. So I never pick any issues that is already on my pull list unless it's like something you know very specific like battle chasers is the only exception because Mm -hmm. i started getting into battle chasers when i reviewed it and i absolutely love it i want to continue reviewing it so that's the only one i'm grabbing and putting in there but it's like i just want to have that collection but very rarely am i doing that with all the other hard collection to get together either exactly the original nine are pretty easy to find yeah yeah and i'm reading that one on hoopla as well too nice so well, Aaron, thank you very much for coming on the show, talking about Spider-Man Life Story. Before I Glad let you go, where can people find you online? Um, so you can find all my socials, uh, my Twitter, my Instagram, and now my Blue Sky uh, are all Maruyasha, which is M-A-R-O-Y-A-S-H-A. That's my TikTok as well, where I do stuff over there where I don't know what I'm doing over there just yet. I just make stuff. <laughs> no, um, one, no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I just respond to things and I, I stitch videos and I use filters sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then once I get, are you cool if I promote my podcast? Is that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I just want to make sure because it's your show. And so. No, I'm um, all about promoting other people's okay, podcasts. Yeah. All right. Some people aren't about it. Some people are. So I like to I like to make sure we're but, definitely um, all about I'm, it here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm working on reviewing or I'm working on putting together the next four episodes of my Spider-Man podcast with a hyphen. It's literally with a hyphen. All three words. <laughs> uh, it's on it's on Spotify, Apple, all that. Uh, gotta love RSS, man. Um, <laughs> uh I, I took like almost a year break because school just took over. But with my upcoming schedule and my better time management and 
frankly, being medicated, it's really helped. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be recording those in batches. They'll be coming out. Uh, it's going to be Wednesdays, and it's called with a hyphen because Spider-Man can always tell if you're saying it with the hyphen or not. <laughs> right. Um, and basically what it is is I'm reading Spider-Man. I'm reading basically everything Spider-Man starting with Amazing Fantasy 15 and working my way through. Uh, as of right now, I have a reading order made starting from there all the way to Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm basically going to be looking at them from – almost a retrospective because i know a lot of the stuff from a modern point of view right. so right yeah That's awesome i'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes below appreciate as well it. too appreciate it yeah so well thanks again aaron and uh again thanks for talking about spider-man and we'll see you later love to be in here and that wraps up another episode of The Caps of Life. I hope you enjoyed listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caps and Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout-out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsandlife.com. 